be different. So if you want to come back tonight, please feel free. And if Greg's message doesn't entice you to come back, well, Robin's going to be singing tonight. So uh, <laughs> uh, you, you gotta, if you never heard Robin sing, uh, we were classmates at Valley Forge, the University of Valley Forge, then known as Valley Forge Christian College. And uh, Greg has been a friend, uh, boy, now for, I guess, since 1978. That's longer than we can even remember. But he comes, and we don't want to delay any further, but uh, on your way out, uh, the offering plates are there for your morning tithes and offerings. But we also left the missions baskets out there. Greg and Robin do a lot of mission work. And if you want to invest in their ministry, they come on a love offering basis that if you want to give an uh, offering to them, we'll take an offering tonight or we'll receive an offering or the baskets will be in the back. And uh, if you're not planning on coming back tonight and you would want to give to their ministry, you can place it in the missions baskets. Greg, welcome, man. You, you don't change. You don't change, man. Get up here. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff is the one that doesn't change. Hey, great to be with you guys here. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for the invite to, to be with you folks here this morning. And beautiful fall day out, huh? What a gorgeous morning. And uh, I've been looking forward to being with you guys. You love Pastor Jeff and Heather. Love their heart for, for all of you guys. When he told me he's been here for 25 years, and uh, in his 25th year was given the gift of a pandemic. That's amazing. And uh, the timing of all that. But but uh, what, what faithful couple God has sent to Freehold and, and uh, even driving in today, just the memories in this great place. So looking forward to this morning and uh, believing God to move tonight. And uh, so I want to encourage you to bring somebody, invite somebody, and I uh, will believe God for a great time together. You know what I was going to, you know, Pastor Jeff is kidding me. I was going to uh, wear my Boston Celtics mask, but it's always good to know where you're at. You know what I mean? But, uh, but I, I cannot bring myself to put on a New Jersey net mask, so I went with the black one here. But, but um, I, I want to read this morning and from the Scripture. If you have a Bible, tremendous. And it's Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to jump right in. At Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And uh, going to begin at verse number 19. And uh, again, bring somebody tonight. We're going to be praying for special needs and such tonight. But Ephesians chapter 2 at verse number 19 and here's what the word says in a beautiful fall morning here in Freehold. It goes like this. Here we go. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, no building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I, I want to read one more passage. First Peter chapter 2 at verse number 4 it says this. First Peter chapter 2 at verse 4 it says this. Uh, again, familiar for many people. But as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You'll also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It was a, a little girl, nine or ten years of age, after dinner at her house. Mom and dad were doing some things in the kitchen. And uh, the girl had a crayon and her, her paper or whatever and uh, was just making whatever. And mom turned around and said, honey, uh, wh what are you doing? And the little girl never looked up. She said, mommy, I'm drawing a picture of God. The mother turned around and said, well, well baby, you know what? You might want to rethink that because nobody knows what the, the Lord looks like. So maybe you shouldn't do that. She never looked up. She thought for a moment. She said, mom, don't worry. So nobody looks like when I get done drawing a picture of him. We're living in a season like never before. We need to know what our God looks like, who he is and what he does in all of our lives. And, and not looking to, uh, to, to, to be condescending. I'm talking to many folks I know that have walked with God for, for many, many years. But, uh, you know, God's greater, God's stronger, God's bigger than we could ever, ever imagine. And I want to set up like this. I remember as a little kid, uh, again, looking at my Celtic, Boston Celtics mask, and my dad was a pro athlete many, many years ago, basketball player. And I remember he took my brother and I, little boys, to the Boston Garden back in the, in the old place I used to play in. And my grandmother came as well, my, my dad's mom, and, and that was the very beginning of the career of a guy named Will Chamberlain. And that, now I'm dating myself even with those names and, but I remember we're in the Boston Garden. I'm like five or six, and my, my, my brother is about 10 or 11. And my dad said pregame, he said, boys, I got a surprise for you. He says, I've made arrangements for going down to the locker room area. I want you to watch Will Chamberlain run out. I want you to see how big he is. And I remember I'm a little kid. You don't, remember those, you don't forget those moments. And, but my grandmother said, uh, to her, my, my dad, her son, Bob, said, Bob, you take, you take older Bobby, but Greg stays with me. And I'm thinking, I don't want to stay with you. And I'll never forget, my, I'm thinking, Dad, what are you doing? And, and my mother, my, 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 my dad said, well, well, you know, Greg wants to see Will, whatever. And, um, and, and my, my brother's laughing at me, whatever. And so there I am, my brother walks away, and I'm staying with my grandmother. Uh, that's marred. I need counseling for years to get over that. And uh, but I remember when my brother came back. Can I try the other mask, honey? Forgive me just for a second. Give me that surgical one. This one isn't working. Sorry, folks. Yeah, this one here. Let's try this. So I remember when my brother came. When my brother walked with my father, and I remember when he came back. His words to me were. He said, Greg, you would not believe the size of Will Chamberlain. And I remember he came back, and my father, that was six foot seven, said, said son, you wouldn't believe, even I could not believe the size of Will Chamberlain. The idea is this. Even those of us that have walked with God for years, God is big and God's strong that we can ever, ever imagine. And so when we find the phrase in the scripture, it, it's, it's common for many people, referring to the Lord as the cornerstone. I know for many people, it's, 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 we, we sing songs about the cornerstone. But really, that word doesn't speak of one type of stone. It speaks of three separate stones that comprise the makeup of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And my prayer is that when you walk out this morning, that you walk out with a fresh revelation of a God that's bigger and stronger than you could ever possibly imagine. The first one is this. 
The familiar one for many of us is, is in the scripture in Ephesians about Christ being our cornerstone. And the cornerstone, if you're a builder, but even if you're not a cornerstone, is a primary stone at the angle of a structure that supports and unites the entire building. And so imagine, when a structure is built, there's no other stone that can take the place of a cornerstone. It's placed at the angle of a building or structure that virtually makes the cornerstone absolutely irreplaceable. The stone, the temple, weighs some 1.3 million pounds. So we're not talking about a pebble. We're speaking of a huge stone that has a function of supporting the entire structure. We're living in a day right now, folks, you know, we all know it together, that this, this season isn't so much building things in us as it's revealing things in us. It was every moment of time that we need to know who our foundation is. It's the day that we're living in right now, Christ must be our only foundation. And the Lord talked a lot about foundation. In Matthew 7, he's talked about, in Matthew 7, verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, but against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had in its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine doesn't put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, and it said this, it fell with a great crash. I want to ask you, and this is so critical, because the Bible says, Paul writes over and over, that we're living in a day where many people are departing from the faith. Those who once walked with Jesus, this is, we speak about an epidemic and a pandemic. Another pandemic is a great revival happening, but also a massive number of people who are turning their back on their walk with Christ. And the Bible said it's going to happen. It's happening right now. And what's so critical is, is that we absolutely know for certain who our foundation is in our lives. I, I remember uh, being in Romania. We go there several times a year. And we're in a village called Kajuk. It's in a, a Turkish Muslim village. And uh, we were there, and the great missionaries are there. Matter of fact, one night in that, in that village, half the village, accepted Jesus just one night in that village. And so a church is now built in that village. But a man approached us very angry. He was an American. Well, we arrived there in that, in that village, and, and uh, he was angry and said, you know, why are you here? It, just very bizarre, and it wasn't godly and such. And, and uh, he was doing some different things, not gospel work, but some things which may be good in themselves, but, but very angry and very threatened. And uh, a storm blew through that village. He had built a building that even the natives thought, this is crazy, because nobody builds in Romania with cinder block in that area. But its building was cinder block, and, when the, uh, and the church is built with wood on a cement slab. When a storm blew through that village, the building that was built with cinder block completely wiped out by that storm. But the church wasn't strong after the storm as it was before the storm. The idea is this. When you make Christ your foundation, and I'm not talking attending church for an hour on Sunday morning. That's awesome. 
But if Jesus is your foundation, my friend, you are going to make it through storms that other people are not going to make it through. And so I want to challenge us in this season, like any season, but now to make certain that Jesus Christ is our sure foundation. And, and we can look at our lives, and, and now this isn't about beating people up, whatever, but the Bible talks about Christ, our cornerstone. And, and if we're in the room this morning and say, Greg, you know what, I'm, I'm in the Word, I'm in prayer. Listen, you and I know whether or not we're building on sand or on cement or on solid ground. So I'm begging people in these last days to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I want to be absolutely certain that you are my chief cornerstone and that my life is built on the rock, Jesus Christ. You ever get around people that have served God for many years and they've stayed fresh, they've stayed sweet, they maintain their love for God. And I'm not looking to embarrass Pastor Jeff, but during the worship, when, when I saw my buddy come up and just kneel and worship, I, we've got Bible school friends that no longer even worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for people that have accepted Jesus and who have said, I'm building my life long term with Jesus Christ as my chief cornerstone. Now, for many people, that's great, you know what, look at preach, sweat, spit, fill it with your mask, and, but great, listen, Greg, I'm in the room, and I, I get the cornerstone deal. But Jesus is more than the cornerstone. He's more than that, church. Because the same verse in Ephesians that speaks about the cornerstone, it talks in Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about how the whole building is joined together. So number one, cornerstone. But number two, that same Jesus, who's your cornerstone, he now is also your keystone. Now, what does that mean? I, I, I never once woke up in the morning. I'm not sure about you. I never once ever woken up and said, Lord, I want to thank you today for being my keystone. Never ever said that. I, 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 never, I never heard one song about Christ. Can I try the other one again, honey? I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? How many will still love me this morning, okay? I'm kind of struggling here, so. Man, I, Jeff, how do you, how you do it, man? You just... Are you sure? Are you sure, man? I don't want to offend anybody. Are you guys okay? Are you sure you're all right? <laughs> I am so sorry, man. Honest I am. Uh, the last thing I ever want to do is offend somebody in your church here. And, uh, and um, some preaching styles are just maybe lend themselves more. To, I, I don't know. But thank you for being so kind, man. <sighs> okay. Can I start all over again? No, I won't. He's the keystone. You know, it's amazing. Can I just stop for a second and make some fun? I, I'm not going to, I shouldn't say it, but I've been spitting on people for 35 years. But I'm not going to, this morning, you're all good. But, but for the first point, I got to spit all over myself for the first time. So I've reaped what I've sown for all these years. And uh, so I'm going to pull this back just to be double sure. And you guys are so gracious. But Jesus is the keystone. Now, now what does that mean? You see, it's like Psalm 23. You see, a lot of folks in a tough time want to claim Jesus as shepherd. But Jesus cannot be your shepherd if we first do not make him our Savior. Once he's Savior, then he's shepherd. Once Jesus is your cornerstone, which means you're building your life on Christ, then Jesus is also your keystone. Now, now what does that mean? 
like a cornerstone that has a, a function of supporting and uniting the entire building. And every stone follows the lead of the cornerstone. The keystone is referred to as an archaeological wonder. Uh, back in, in uh, uh, earlier, uh, maybe uh, 65, I think it was, in St. Louis, when they built the St. Louis Arch, uh, they built the arch, and, and every arch, an arch is made up of three parts. You've got one side, the other side, but in the center, at the top center part, is the place you put the keystone. The keystone is placed in the center of one, it's called a weakness, and the other weakness, but it is the keystone that holds the arch together. When the arch is built in St. Louis, the day they would place the, they had all the cables and, and all the cranes and holding up one side and, because each side could not stand up by itself. But when the keystone is going to be placed, they were concerned about the weather and the wind, whatever. But once that keystone was in place, hear me, the keystone makes the arch virtually indestructible. It is the keystone that literally holds the arch together. We moved 21 years ago to Pennsylvania, and I'm reading, walking, we're driving around Pennsylvania. You got Keystone Ice Cream, you got Keystone Realty, uh, you got Keystone Bank, because in the arch of those original states, you'll find Pennsylvania. That's why it's called the Keystone, because of its placement. When you accept Jesus as Savior, and you build your life on the rock, Jesus Christ, uh, when you and I build our lives on the rock, he becomes our keystone. What does that mean? It means the moment you accept Christ, you'll never, ever have to keep it together all by yourself. You ever talk to some people and, and you ask them a question that may ask you during a crisis or whatever or during the pandemic? You ask folks, you know, how's it going? And sometimes the response is, I'm trying to keep it together. We're in the grocery store parking lot, and Robin said, honey, that man is distraught. And there was an older man in the parking lot, had a walker. He was just so broke, just looking around, whatever. We got out of the car gently. And it uh, turns out he's about 92 years of age, had stomach cancer. He said, I, I, sh I said, sir, are you okay? He says, I, 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 I've shopped here for years. He said, I don't, I don't know what door to go in. He said, I've never seen anything like this. And he, he just wept in the parking lot. Of course, we prayed God is growing. He wanted some oranges, or I forget, whatever. But a lot of folks are wondering, how am I going to keep it together? And I know folks mock this season. Listen, they're not mocking in India. People are dying on the streets of India right now, starvation, uh, because they, they can't distance in. And it's, it's so condensed, the people, the density. Listen, people are fighting for their lives. Marriages in our own nation, the abuse and the divorce and the, and the suicide, the depression. So many folks are waking. I'm talking good people. That say, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to hold it together. I look at not minimizing the battle, but I got great news. The moment you make Christ your cornerstone, your keystone will keep you together during seasons you never thought you'd ever make it through. Jesus is your keystone. But there's the deal. For Christ to be our keystone, he must be placed in the center of our lives. For the keystone building an arch to function properly, it, it must not be put anywhere. It must be in the highest place and in the center place. So I want to challenge this, my friends. 
They say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I don't want to put you in some lower level, but I put you in the highest place. I seek you and you alone because God has a history of keeping people together where stuff wants to pull you apart. Or, or, or a young woman, I can't give her name, she's because she's screaming, which is fine, but we love Romania and the orphanage is in Romania. And, uh, and many of the children there, their parents, they've either forsaken or left them, whatever. I think of the, the orphanage that we're connected with in India, uh, where all the girls there uh, were rescued out of trafficking. Uh, they're all born out of, we have a ministry to kids born out of trafficking. And this one girl and, uh, was raped at four years of age, was brutalized at four years of age. I mean, she went through things, she's HIV positive. She went through things no kid should ever go through. She'll never, ever know who her earthly father was. She'll never, never know. She would never, ever see her mother again. I don't think she'd ever see and, uh, or, or years. And, and, uh, and uh, this great young lady, and, and yet she's 15 now. Imagine being raised in uh, the, the emotional trauma. But this girl, she's so in love with Jesus. I mean, she radiates the love of God. She, she uh, on a dance team at the orphanage, and she worships, and she memorizes scripture, and she has a dream for a future. This girl is so solid. Uh, difficulties, yes, but she's so whole. She's so pure. She's so beautiful. And some can ask, oh, come on, Greg. How can a girl go through that and, uh, and survive? And, and now I'm not saying not issues. But you know why she's doing so well? Because you never underestimate the power of the keystone. Who am I talking to this morning? And God's saying to you, I want to refresh you. He said, I want to encourage you. I want you to realize you don't need in your own strength to keep it together. But when Jesus is Lord of our lives, the keystone knows how to keep us all together. So I want to challenge you. Say, Lord, I just want to be sure. Corinthians, we're told to examine ourselves and make sure that we're in the faith. And so make sure we're building on the rock, Jesus Christ. And when you make Christ your rock, when he's your sure foundation, you can count on this. Whatever life throws at you in these days, the presence of the keystone is the one that's going to hold you together at all times. I think our pastor, the pastor Brian, come here, Jeff. Did he was here? And a dear friend that was here in ministry, was, remember, wife was killed by a drunk driver and he lost his leg and was with Brian in a meeting. We're connected to her home church. He's one of my best friends. And, and, and people ask me all the time, how's Brian doing? How's he doing? And my answer is simple he's doing great. Misses his wife, loves his three boys and his grandkids. And, and the pandemic, a challenge, and, but again, but, but, but living victory. And Brian told me, beginning of this year, he said, Hub, I'm doing so well, and I had a great Christmas. He said, the best Christmas since the tragedy. And I've said to some people, honestly, people have said, well, how's he doing? For some people, when I said, Brian's doing wonderful, I've had some take me aside and say, come on, don't give me this. Give me, give me the real deal. How's he doing? Now, don't give me the, how, how's he doing? And some would rather, if I were to say, well, Brian, he, he's, you know, just really distraught, whatever. He's taking meds and he's not well and he's in a deep depression. Some would say, well, you know what, I, I get it, whatever. Some will not really acknowledge 
But even when things in the natural seem, how can you make it that God's big enough, strong enough, that he can do so? Listen, the cornerstone is literally keeping Brian together. That same stone is the one that's loose in this room right now. I am praying for the power and presence of Jesus. There's no flow in this house that you, you skip to your car with fresh revelation that God's able to bring you through every battle you're ever going to face. How many can see a big amen? When Christ is your cornerstone, when Christ is our sure foundation, when we can say, I know that I know that I know. I'm building my life on the principles of Scripture that Jesus is my rock. It's then and only then can we wake up during the pandemic and say to ourselves, like Isaiah 41.10, where it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you and I'll help you. I'll oppose it with my righteous right hand. It's only then can we quote and, and, and agree with Psalm 18.1. It says, I love you, Lord, my strength. I'm praying for God to bless somebody with strength in this room. That you walk out with a clear vision of who Jesus is and what he looks like. He's your cornerstone. The moment you accept Christ, he becomes your cornerstone. And the moment you accept Christ, that same Jesus says, I will hold the building together. The same Jesus who's your cornerstone is the same Jesus who is your keystone. But he's not just your cornerstone. He's not just your keystone. You ever go to a restaurant? As a matter of fact, this happens often in New Jersey diners. I mean, I, you can wallpaper your house with a New Jersey diner menu. They're, they're just, they weigh 50 pounds. It's, how do you, it's amazing to me. You ever just go to, we were just at a New, New, New Jersey diner uh, near, near Cherry Hill the other day, and, and uh, we, we ordered, we got a grilled cheese sandwich and a, and a bowl of soup. And you would have thought, that, man, I mean, it was humongous. The French fries were on steroids. I mean, the, the biggest grilled cheese sandwich ever in history was sitting on my plate. The bowl of soup was a feeding trough for many animals. It was huge. Did you ever order something and it comes out? And my wife and I are about that age now that we say we could have split the meal. We could have split the meal. And uh, how many ever, we could have split the meal. I wasn't always there, but I'm there now. Listen, when you accept Jesus, he's more than you can ever possibly imagine. Because once we accept Christ and Jesus is our cornerstone, he's our sure foundation. Not just a one-time decision, but we're building, our, we're walking in faith together, as you heard so wonderfully last week. But when Christ is our foundation, he's a, we place him in the highest center part of our lives. He's our key. So he's literally holding it all together. That same Jesus who's your cornerstone, that same Jesus who's your keystone, is the same Jesus who is your capstone. I wonder if anybody ever woke up and said, Jesus... I want to thank you today for being my capstone. Capstone is just as real as keystone and cornerstone. This is what Jesus looks like and what he does. It's right there with Ephesians chapter 2. We read it a moment ago where it talks about how Christ is the cornerstone, but the building is joined together, and here it is. It becomes a holy temple and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That speaks of the phrase capstone. So Jesus, cornerstone. Jesus keystone. Jesus is my capstone. Now, now, what does that mean? 
The capstone in the life of a believer, for a builder, the capstone is the highest stone in the pyramid. Uh, builders refer to it as a stone of glory. The purpose of the capstone is simple. It, what, uh, uh, that stone, the top stone, would keep up moisture and, and protection from outside forces. And uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.21 talks about this. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Here it is. And set a seal of ownership on us. And put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Again, he set his seal of ownership on us. And put the spirit in our hearts as a deposit. It says guaranteeing what is yet to come. The moment someone in freehold accepts Jesus as Savior. You said, Lord, I, I confess my sins and I receive you as my Lord. Christ becomes your cornerstone. Now he's, your, he's holding it together. But now he says, I'm, I'm underneath you, I'm in you, but now I'm over you. I'm setting my seal of ownership upon you. I want to give you the analogy. If you're going to a grocery store in New Jersey, and you're going to buy a big half gallon of ice cream. Somebody say thank God for Briars Extra Creamy. Somebody say thank God right now. Come on. Turkey Hill, whatever, Rocky Road. But are you going to buy a half gallon of ice cream with a broken seal? Are you going to buy a, a bottle of Turkey Hill iced tea with a, a broken seal or a, 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 a jug of spring water? A broken seal represents somebody has tampered with this product. And to attack the seal, again, you've attacked the owner. Remember 2,000 years ago when Jesus died upon that cross and was put in the borrowed tomb of Joseph, and they put a stone around the tomb, and they put a seal around the tomb. When Jesus rose up from the dead, God broke the back of that seal. The seal was placed there that spoke of ownership. It spoke of authority. I've got Christ. And Jesus, again, rose up from the dead. The seal was broken. When you accepted Jesus, God put his seal all over you. Aren't you glad that you belong to God this morning, church? In this crazy pandemic, aren't you glad that you know in whom you believe in? That, that we're not to be among the people. I love what Pastor Jeff said about the election. Because some of our, our allegiance must be to Christ first. It must be Christ alone. That Jesus is our cornerstone. And if we believe that, friends, he will be the firm foundation. He'll hold us together. But he will be the one that seals us in. I, I have no idea. I'm 17 years old. Robin got saved when she was nine years old. Kind of amazing. She got saved through a ventriloquist. You ever see those guys, they have, like, they have a dummy that, that talks, she got saved through a dummy, then she married a dummy. So there's like a theme in Robin's life, so keep her in prayer. Robin got saved, and your, your life's streaming. My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman, in case she's watching. But anyhow, if I say that once a week, I get Pro View 1 golf balls two times a year. But um, Robin got saved at nine years of age and grew up in the church and living for God. And what a testimony, God's keeping power. Aren't you glad God keeps people? How does he keep people? Because he's a keystone. He keeps it together. If you've been serving God long term, you're a testimony of the keeping power of the keystone, Jesus Christ, in your life. But the cornerstone and the keystone, he's your capstone. When he saves you, he put a seal of ownership on you. 
whatever comes your way must first pass through the hands of the one that died on the middle cross. Jesus Christ has placed his seal of anointing and ownership on you. Uh, again, I was 17 when I got saved, and I, I didn't know what that was. When I accepted Jesus, I wasn't using terms, cornerstone, keystone, capstone. All I knew was that Jesus, he saved my soul. How many are glad that God saved your soul? Come on. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Come on. How many are glad you're saved this morning? Okay. A numbers of us. And, and, uh, and grateful that you're building on the rock, the foundation, Jesus. And he's keeping it together. And we, walk. we don't minimize the battle, but we magnify our God that's faithful. He's bring, we're not to be the, in the gloom and doom crowd. And it's all over. It's all downhill. Don't get into that talk about how big Jesus is and how good he is, how strong he is and just magnify him but Jesus has a history of covering us I remember I'm at a public high school in West Springfield, Massachusetts and I've been saved for two weeks and this boy walked up to me we'll call him, we'll call him Sean his, his name is actually Sean and Sean walked up to me. I can see him with his jeans on. And he had a plaid button-down shirt. And he had wire glasses and kind of curly hair. And, and uh, we didn't have much interaction. We just in different circles. And I was a sports guy. I don't think Sean was into sports or whatever, but other interests. And, but, I, but whatever I would see Sean, which is rare, just real quiet, whatever, good guy, I'm sure. But, but Sean walked up to me one day out of the blue and said, Greg, I, he says, I heard that you're, you're spiritual. He said, I, I hear that God said, I heard you're spiritual. Now, I, I hadn't heard it put like that yet, and I, I, but it's, I said, Sean, yes, I'm spiritual. Sean, I accepted Christ two weeks ago, and he said, and he kept going back to, I, I, I had no idea that you were spiritual. And he said, some, I heard some kids talking about it, you know, you got the Bible, and, and that you're spiritual. He said, you need to know, he says, I'm spiritual too. I just, Sean, that's amazing. I, two weeks ago, I wasn't spiritual. Now I am spiritual. I had no idea that you were spiritual. Amazing. And Sean said, yeah, it was very calm, kind of quiet, and laid back. And he says, yeah, but he says, I'm on the other side. I said, I don't know what you mean by that. I was a new believer. He says, we worship Satan in our family. I said, you worship what? We worship Satan. Now, I didn't have years of theology, and I saw the exorcists, and I don't want to get into that, whatever, but as a teen, I'm thinking, oh, whoa, whatever, and, and uh, uh, you know, we'd be amazed. The world knows spiritual warfare is real, by the way. You know that, right? And it, it's real, and, and, uh, but I didn't know anything about Satan, and I said, I said, Sean, you mean, I said, dude, you like worship the devil? He said, yeah, we worship Satan. I'm spiritual like you are. I said, Sean, I don't know what, what that means. It looks like I'm new at this whole thing. And he said, well, I, I had a feeling you were. And he said, I just thought maybe I'd like to borrow my book. And he gave me, it was bright red, black print. It was a satanic Bible. I didn't know that they had a satanic Bible. I'm aware of witchcraft and the occult now, of course, and deliverance and things. And, but I just was a, a new believer. And, um, and I remember he said, Greg, I'm going to loan you my, my, my book and uh, my Bible. And I just thought you might be like to look in whatever and check it out and see whatever. And, and I know now, if I knew what I know now, I would have said, Sean, you know, thank you so much. I've been gracious. And, you know, I'm going to pass on that, dude. But I appreciate that. And, and Sean, let me just let me tell you about my Jesus. I want to hear your story. But, but, but I didn't know better. And I said, Sean, well, well sure, I'll, I'll read your book. And I took it. He loaned it to me. And I remember I put it in my locker about 133. 
and I remember I missed a solution in the act. Why I remember that? I've got no idea. But I, I put it in my locker, and uh, I was always meticulous. I still am to stay packing, and um, and just things in my locker, my basketball stuff, whatever. And uh, day comes, day ends. Go back to my locker. Everything's in my locker except one thing. No red book. No satanic Bible. It wasn't in there. Now, this is where some think, well, well, Greg, okay, I'm telling you, it wasn't in there. Not, well, Greg, your mother, it wasn't in there. I put it in there. I, I mean, I, 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 I locked it. I was, again, just, I, I, to this day, I've got no idea. I think I know what happened to it, but I've got no idea what happened to Sean's satanic Bible. And I remember, you know, when, you, when someone you lends something to you and you lose it, isn't that a picker-upper? I mean, just, I just broke in with sweat, and I very rarely ever perspire. But I remember, thus the challenges with the mask. But I remember, I, I, I just, I, I avoided Sean for like three weeks. I, I'm looking at my locker, the, the, my parents' car, that I, which I, I, I'm looking, you know, you look for places, and, and don't you love the people when you lose something? They try to help you, and they say to you, just, just stop, remember the last time you had it. How many want to kill those people in Jesus' name right now? Come on. I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked as, as, as uh, Bonnie comes to the keys and plays something. So I'm looking all over, looking all over. Finally, I walk up to Sean. I said, Sean, I am so embarrassed, dude. I said, I've avoided you like the plague for, for, for three weeks. He said, what's the matter? What's, what? I said, Sean. He said, you lent me your Bible. You loaned me your Bible uh, three weeks ago. And you said, attending Bible. And Sean, I'm not kidding you, honestly. Yeah, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. I didn't, I didn't burn it. I didn't rip it up. I didn't just throw. Sean, I put it in my locker. Dude, you might have, you might have, maybe saw me put it in my locker. And I locked the locker. I said, Sean, I've got, I have no idea what happened to your Bible. I've got, he said, you mean you lost it? I said, Sean, I, I guess I lost it. I, I put it in my locker, Sean. I'll give you some money for, I feel terrible, but I don't know where your book is. Now, friend, can I, he was gracious and kind. Let me off the hook. So grateful for that. But can I tell you something? I've often wondered what really happened to that red satanic Bible in my locker. In the locker of a new baby believer, mind you. For some, it might sound out there. For some, it might sound kind of strange. But I believe the all my heart that somehow during the course of that day, I can just picture, believe what you choose. It's okay, I still love you. I just picture a big old angel walking down the hallway of a public high school, flapping his wings, man, just walking down that, 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 that aisle of a public high school. I just picture, wings or not, who knows, but I just picture a ministering agent of God God commissioning one of his angels. I just picture God just reaching in that locker and snagging that red devil's book and saying, devil, you'll not pick off this young believer. He is sealed by the person of the Holy Spirit. He belongs to God. He belongs to God. He belongs to God. He belongs to God. I wonder if somehow during the course of that day, if God just came down in all of his power and reminded me, I'm not just your cornerstone. I'm not just your keystone. But I am called to cover you. I protect you. 
I watch out for you. I seal you. I see you. And I know you. That doesn't mean we never go through difficult times. But what it does mean is you'll never ever go through a difficult time all by yourself. Apart from the one that says, I put my seal of ownership upon you. Here's my prayer on a sunny morning. You know what? It's been so different for you as a church, for us as evangelists. What a year, huh, church? What a year. We're finding it more than ever that God's people need fresh revelation. That the God within them is bigger than the battle without, outside of them. That he's the living stone. And that's why it says in 1 Peter, to those who believe in him, he is precious. Has Jesus been precious to you this year? Now, listen, don't get mad at me. I'm only here for one day. And I need every friend I can get till about maybe 7.30 tonight. But if you're in the room and have no prayer life, you're struggling in your walk in this pandemic. Yes, you are. If you're in the room and your foundation's cracked, never in the Word, never in prayer, never doing faith with people like Pastor Jeff talked about, how we're better together and we's better than me. And listen, the devil is looking to pick believers off in the day that we're living in. Many are saying that this pandemic, some are saying that there's some people, never mind slowly coming back to our churches, some are saying that some are never coming back. I don't want that to be somebody breathing in this room. But to say, Father, in these days, I want to I want to solidify my foundation. I want to I want to go deeper in my walk with you. I want to walk with a fresh revelation that you are the God that keeps me. You are the God that meets all my needs. You are the God who's faithful. You are the God that never fails. And Lord, when this thing gets big as it is, you're the God that covers me. You're the God that watches over me. I'm praying for somebody breathing in the room this morning. Taking a fresh vision of the Jesus Christ that lives and burns deep inside of your heart. Can we stand together all over the room? You've been so kind this morning. Pastor Jeff said, if you could end the first service by two o'clock, that would be great. We're not gonna go that long. We're gonna actually end right now. Could you do this? Could you close your eyes and lift up both hands right now to God? Could we do that? Bonnie, if you have a song that fits, something simple, or even he is, whatever, can we just sing something before we pray in a moment? Reach out to God right where you are right now. Come on, church. Just sing it to him the best way you know how. Jesus. Weak made strong. We worship you, Jesus.
Lift your voice and worship Him out loud. Come on. Take 20 seconds and do nothing but worship God with your mouth. Come on, somebody. Lift up your worship all over this room. We worship you right now, God. We worship you right now, Jesus. We exalt you right now. We exalt your name right now, Lord. Jesus. 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 Just you, Bonnie. Just you, Bonnie. Just those keys. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Different than probably tonight. Listen careful. If you're in the room, and by the way, thank you for being so gracious this morning. If you're in the room and say, Greg, I, I don't recall there ever being a moment. And again, we could assume everyone's here has accepted Christ as well. If you cannot recall with some level of clarity ever receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm not asking you, I'm begging you. Right where you stand and say, Lord, just maybe a prayer like this. Lord, forgive me for my sin. This isn't about being Catholic or Protestant or gluten-free. This is about accepting Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Make it your prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins and come into my heart and be my Savior, be my God. I put my trust in you. And if you're praying that kind of a prayer for the first time, when others are walking out to enjoy this beautiful Sunday morning, I pray that you'd walk forward or find the one that brought you. Find an usher. Find Pastor Jeff. Find Pastor Jamel. Find somebody and say, today for the first time, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. This church cares about you, man. This church loves you. They want to see you growing. If you cannot recall ever receiving Jesus as your Savior, I'm begging you to whisper that prayer right now and say, Jesus, forgive me. I choose now to follow you and then let somebody know for with the heart we believe but with the mouth we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and will be saved. Father, draw people right now all over this room. I pray that a wave of mercy and grace to flood this heart. That one that maybe is here but maybe spiritually is far from you, Father. That they're, they're building on sand. They're not building on the firm foundation Christ. I pray you'll soften them. You'll melt them. You'll draw them. That you'll have mercy on them, Father. And I pray as Pastor Jeff prayed earlier.